Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag with your hosts, Gooch. First thing right here, this is how we're going to start off the show. Apparently, we need to address Gooch's temper. You've been hanging with Adam Hill and Steve Cofield, haven't you? And Willie Ramirez. You are a sore loser. At Madden? On ESPN Las Vegas. Well, the, I, I heard something about a remote being thrown. Chairs. I play with my heart, guys. Once again, throw the flag over here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook inside the Treasure Island. I am Gooch. To my left, Willie Ramirez is where we basically break down the week of sports. We talk a little gambling, we talk a little Raiders, we talk some college football, NFL football is kicking off this Thursday. I mean, I can't wait, Willie. It's time. It's here. It's finally here. Real yep. football. It, well, yeah, I mean, and, and with the Raiders being in town, preseason football, you felt the hype. They had the Raiderette reunion, they had the Raiders alumni, and then we had UNLV football kick it off and smack the crap out of Idaho State, week zero, but... Week one, you've just felt it building, brewing, growing. I mean, Golden Circle Sportsbook, they've expanded the, t- the times for the kitchen, the sportsbooks live. Everybody's out here. The, I mean, it, the excitement builds when week one, and you know college game day is going to be on TV, and you got the Thursday night games and then Friday night games, and now mm-hmm. when you throw in. Mm, God, just hearing you talk about it. I throw feel like. the flag. <laughs> Live in a sports book with week one college football. It is maniacal. It's magic. Now, everywhere you look over here at the Golden Circle, it is just TVs. Everywhere you look, you just see TVs. It's sports memorabilia. You got a Gail Sayers autographed jersey, uh, World's Greatest Dad mug autographed by Adrian Peterson. I mean, they got it here, dude. So Don't leave out by Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen, the late great Marcus Allen, who you had a story about last week when we were doing Throw the Flag. I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. I just can't wait to talk about football. Just looking up, seeing real, actual games taking place while we're doing the show. It's what we've been building towards. It is. And and what makes it more exciting today is the 11th hour announcement just before kickoff here today in that the college football playoff will be expanding to 12 teams, hopefully by 2024. And, I mean, this is big news for – it's not just big news for the college football landscape, but on a local level, it's huge. Because when the Las Vegas Bowl um, moved to Allegiant and dropped its allegiance with Mountain West and then picked up the Pac-12 along with the SEC and Big Ten, SEC and Big Ten alternate years against the Pac-12, playing at Allegiant, being in Las Vegas, that easily could be. So the Las Vegas Bowl could now shift to a date where it would coincide with part of the playoff bracket because as it is now, two of the bowl games serve as the semifinals to get to the national championship. The Las Vegas Bowl, mark my words, and I got news for you. I saw him last week at the UNLV football game after I left here. The Las Vegas Bowl executive director, John Sassenti, will be joining us in a couple of weeks. He may even be coming down here. just depends on his schedule. And when he comes live to places, he usually brings Las Vegas Bowl goodies. So we're going to need all the people out here. We'll hype it up that week, let you know, and he'll fill us in on how directly involved the playoff expansion will affect Las Vegas. It- is incredible and plus i would love for us to be the only bowl game well that's part of the playoff that has the city attached to it everybody else got like the fiesta bowl rose bowl i mean there's so much history cotton bowl sugar bowl 
Las Vegas Bowl. Right, the Las Vegas Bowl is going to now grow to being that. You know, I grew up, obviously, in the 70s watching the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the main ones, watching Woody Hayes slug a, a Clemson player on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, that was, that, that was some classic <laughs> stuff back then. So, um, but what does that mean eventually? Well, what that means is that the college football playoff championship would eventually be played at Allegiant Stadium. Now, here's the question we got to ask. Is this going to be enough games when we finally get it? Because when we got the four games, people were happy for a day. And now it's getting expanded again, expanded again, and then again. It's like how much longer is 12 going to be enough? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't foresee it. I, I think that, that I think it should be. I, I, I don't think that they're going to come in and all of a sudden um, they're going to – I, I think it'll be fine for it to be to start. I don't think that because of the way that they're doing it. So the f- top four rated four conference champions will get a bye. Then the other eight teams will play in. Okay, so you're getting a few rounds to start. There's not much more you can do past that. You can you say, well, okay, let's go to 16, let's go to 20. You know, all, but I think at some point. You have to draw the line, considering it's football. This isn't basketball. The wear and tear on the body, the time that restraints that we're talking about, I think 12 is a safe number because, remember, a lot of people were clamoring for 8. Now the jump to 12. So the question you just asked was originally when, well, if they go to 8, when will when can we right. go to 12? They're going to 12. Right, right, yeah. And that's my thing. It's just, But, but once, once we get that 12, all of a sudden they're going to go, oh, what about the fringe teams? There's guys right on the outside. They're always going to make that argument uh last night one of the greatest athletes of all time made history we're going to talk on her in just a little bit but do you want to touch on serena williams greatness for just a second because we we are going to we're going to do it in the last segment but the that level of dominance how many times have we seen that in any sport in any sport maybe tiger woods jack nicholas it's, it was just – You know what I was thinking about last night? I had all these tweets waiting, and I was, I was trying to figure, okay. And then you're watching it, and then deuce, and then advantage, and then deuce, and then advantage. And it's like I had both, I, I had both phones going because I had the farewell tweet you know, on one phone. So if she lost, boom, to hit it. And then I had the other one, and I'm just tweeting out tweets. But what I was thinking is for my lifetime – I've not only seen some fantastic careers from start to finish, but their careers in which even the younger generation should be considering these people goats. I've seen the start and finish. I watched Michael Jordan hit the game-winning shot with North Carolina over Georgetown in 1982 and then watch his whole career with the Bulls. I covered Kobe Bryant as a junior in high school and watched his entire career as a Laker. I've now watched Serena Williams. I mean, those are three of the – Tiger Woods. I remember when Tiger Woods was deciding, do I go to Stanford or do I go to UNLV? And he chose Stanford. I remember these careers. And that's what sort of was a little uh, humbling for me last night watching this. You know what was humbling for me is I remember when Serena was Venus's little sister. Yes. That was it. And and but they were like, oh, but, you know, she, there's a lot of hype. You know, they're saying she's going to be pretty good. And then when the two faced each other, we're like, oh, these, this is going to go on forever. And then it didn't. It was just like you just saw that Serena, I, I don't know what it was, what she had over, but it was just like you just saw another level that no tennis player could reach. No tennis player could have that 
much dominance and hold on to it for that long. It's one of the most incredible feats we've ever seen in sports. And we, like you said, we're going to touch on it later. We're going to talk about Venus. We're also going to talk about Isla Tamjanovic, who I covered briefly when she played for World Team Tennis, which is a summer league. It's actually between uh, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. It's a, it's a, it's a, it was started by Billie Jean King in the 70s, and she jumped it. There was, it was during the pandemic. They were playing at this exclusive country club on the East Coast. I can never remember the name of it. I believe it's in West Virginia somewhere. Very private, very exclusive, but high, high end. And they, World Team Tennis went in there for three weeks. Tomjanovic came in there, and she joined the Las Vegas Rollers. And I was the beat writer the year before when they played at the Orleans. And so I was, um, I did it live stream. I've followed and covered them online and i remembered that name as it was leading up i was like that's the girl from and then sure enough yeah so i tweeted out and it didn't surprise me i tweeted long before it was over i was like she knows what she's about to do and as humble and and just kind and nice and and that she was for world team tennis gracious there i can only imagine what this post-match speech is going to be like and sure enough she knocked out of the park we're going to talk about that later and we got willie I just want to know what happened here. Uh, apparently, you have a bunch of uh, gloves that you wear in the kitchen on a daily basis. More than one. That's a, that was a nice segue. Yeah. We went from college football to tennis to gloves. Look, so we, we, got, got, we got a little bit well, here. Well, I get it because last week <laughs> I gave you crap about your anger issues. Right. And your temper. So you're going to give me crap about my gloves. But it's true. Now, you know, in 2020, we, we started washing our hands for everything. I mean, you know, I was coming in and just feeling – I'd come in from the grocery store and just feeling things crawling on me, so you're washing your hands. Well, I don't know if it's hereditary or not, but my fingers, my fingertips crack, mm-hmm. okay, especially in – it could be in the cold weather. Mm-hmm. The dry the weather. Bitter, yeah, but, and I try to lotion whatever. I get the manicure every few weeks, but they still crack. And with the, with the added washing of the hands. So what I've, what I've become obsessed with is when I walk into the kitchen, if I'm about to wash the dishes, rubber gloves go on. If I'm going to touch food in any way, shape, or form, even my dog's food, because he gets two different blends, and then sometimes I put a little something in there, and I mix it all up, and I, I try to get – I want to make sure every morsel is embedded, the flavor of different things. I put meal prep gloves on. Do you do that for your dog? Yeah. So you're worried about the flavor? No. We, we, we know what no, dogs no, 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 sometimes no. eat. Wor- I, no, it's me touching my, my – Right. Touching anything. When I, when I put the binder on the meats that I'm going to grill – and, and Or, you know, like I used to get a kick out of, like, get your hands in there with the ribs and the this, pulling the membrane out to get the ribs going, to get the chops going, get the steak, marinate, whatever. And you get in there and you're mixing it with your hands. Not anymore. I really? got So I have a box of meal prep gloves on my counter. I got rubber gloves and I got extra backup rubber gloves under the sink. I won't wash. I won't touch a dish. I was going to say, the things you are doing for your hands not to touch soap. That's, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Well, because that's all I'm doing is touching. You're washing your hands here and there, left and right. You know, uh, all these shows you go out to, I mean, it's, it's sad to say this, but now, you know, the fist bump, you know, you're, you're, I'm barely giving up the dap and a hug. So, to, you know, it's a fist bump. Someone wants to shake the hand. It's like I, I literally will go like this for a minute going, okay, who's got antibacterial gel? Why I was we- never, and I'm not even a germaphobe. It's just, it's mental ever Why since. Why do I it- feel like when you go to a place like Chili's, you've got like the cloth gloves, like the Monopoly man, just like, you know, here's yeah. Willie just dining with the upper echelon. The other, th- but the thing is, is I will not, I just don't, um, like I won't, uh, I thought that I might after things died down, I thought I might still wear the mask a little bit, mainly because, I, now in the grocery store, I don't mind, like I don't, 
But I thought about it. Like, I don't think that I would mind wearing a mask because I talk to myself in the grocery store a lot. Yeah. I do. I talk to myself like, yeah, do you need that well? Wait, if you're going to cook this. And I stand there and I'll talk to myself. When I had the mask, I could. T- I had a great conversation. And nobody knows. You can right. also blame it on the guy next to you. Be like, he's the one talking to himself, right. not me. Right. Right. Well, look, we're going to be back with more Throw the Flag in just a little bit. We got some fantasy football stuff we're going to talk about right after this. We don't argue every day, just Sundays, and then Monday nights, waiver wire Wednesdays, uh, lineup tweak Thursdays. It's every day. Free agent Friday. Just say every day. Starts at Saturday. I just need him to be more attentive. It was one bad week. How am I supposed to live with someone who can't even set a lineup? She has me in six different leagues. Ah. Eight, love, grand, throw the flag over here at the... Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island, Gooch, Willie Ramirez, just over here empowering women. We are this week. I feel like it. We got some great guests coming up. Uh, we have Paloma Villacana from Channel 5, sports anchor. She does, uh, I mean, dude, this woman knocks it out of the park with her UNLV football coverage and her aces. Like, she goes above and beyond the little, the sh- it's almost like episodes. They're not even, uh, they're not even uh, like segments on the news. There she's she, and she does the rev zone, so she's going to be coming up in a little bit. And she's bilingual, covers both languages. Well, yes, nailing okay. it. And in the second <laughs> hour, we have former Lady Rebel Dylan Gonzalez, part of the Gonzalez twins. Um, they came from Kansas, over a million followers, a lot of influencers. Brought the, the hype to Vegas. They, they were the re- main reason, like, Drake was attending Lady Rebel games, Le'Veon Le- Bell. I mean, it was, it was really cool. They hung around. They stayed in Vegas. They're doing a lot of stuff in the community. So we're going to talk to Dylan in the second hour. All right. And right now we're going to jump into some fantasy football. And I'm not necessarily saying fantasy football. It's more like just players that I feel that are primed to explode after a subpar 2021. And okay. there's a lot of reasons why players suffer. A lot of There's so many unbelievably talented players in the NFL that a lot of us don't even know the name of just because they're on bad teams. I really think that uh, wide receivers are usually the ones that suffer the most from this. Quarterbacks, if they have a bad offensive line, running back, same deal. And then there's obviously injuries. Like last year, I really thought J.K. Dobbins, the former Ohio State running back, had a huge year in his rookie year. He actually had uh, 15 touchdowns, six yards per carry in his rookie year. I mean, it helps having... Lamar Jackson in the pistol because you never know. He's, he's just him being into the backfield alone is going to draw the linebackers in a, an extra step. And if you're if you got the speed of J.K. Dobbins, you're going to be able to explode and hit that hole. And last year he tore his ACL, but this year he's going to be the primed running back. He is going to be sharing some carries with Vegas's well former Vegas Raider uh, Kenyon Drake, but I don't necessarily see him as much of a threat. So I think J.K. Dobbins is going to go off. So he's a steal. Uh, yes. Because I, is he a bargain price, as you guys would call it? Yeah. I, see, I believe so. I think you could get a guy like him because I think he's a – I think this year he's going to be running back one, which means he is going to be one of your starting running backs. You can have him as a flex if you're lucky enough, but I definitely think – but that's the thing. You could have gotten him as at a flex spot, but he is worth a RB1 consideration. Now, there are some – there have been obviously some quarterbacks moving around. Yes. Do you see someone in a new location that could make some noise? And it's so funny because last year, Matt Ryan, we're talking about a few years removed from MVP, had his team in the Super Bowl, and it, I don't necessarily think it was his fault that the team just collapsed to Tom Brady. I mean, how many teams have had that? How many teams have had to bend at the knee to Tom Brady? It's like you're just one of the many. 
Matt Ryan. Sorry about that. But this year, he's on a Colts team who, look, last year Carson Wentz, the, the, the problem still persisted when he was quarterback in the Colts. Matt Ryan, I don't get that. Carson Wentz, you could scare him from running out of the pocket. Well, if you have one of the league's top rushing attacks, you have the league's top running back at Jonathan Taylor, it's going to be nothing but play-action city. Matt Ryan is going to go off this season. He is going to go off this season. Now, on the flip side of that, are there quarterbacks that have gone to a team where a receiver can benefit? Yes. See, I look at the Denver Broncos, and you get a guy like Russell Wilson, and their wide receivers are very unproven. I remember Jerry Judy, when he was getting drafted, they were just talking about how good his footwork and stuff, but his hands were never good. Cortland Sutton was a guy who was drafted out of the second round, and he always had the size. He always had that intriguing, that intriguing ability. And then when he was actually on the field, he proved it. It's just unfortunately the quarterbacks the Broncos have had over the last few years. You had like Drew Locke, Brandon Allen, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Like I think Mark Rippon's son was in there <laughs> who didn't even really deserve to be in there. But he was throwing plays. Last year the Broncos had a guy that was quarterback. That wasn't even a quarterback. So everything has been in flux over in Denver. You get a guy like Russell Wilson throwing to Cortland Sun, who people forget how big he is. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. You don't think that Russell Wilson is going to go, well, he's like a, maybe a less chiseled DK Metcalf. You don't think that he's not going to take advantage of that in the end zone. I think Cortland Sutton's going to go off this year. Now, let me ask you this. Um, we're talking about receivers. We're talking about, this, obviously, the skill position players that are bargain ba- uh, price. But, like, a guy like Devontae Adams, is that someone that you have to get immediately? Like, like I, I, I've done fantasy for fun. I don't do it at all because I would probably get – like, I already got high blood pressure, so I would probably – it would go even further if I had to worry about rosters and checking injuries and what the other guys got and who I'm playing and so on and so forth. But um, – I just always remember, well, you don't take this position in the first round. You do take this one. You wait for that. Like, first of all, when do you take specific positions or do you wait to the second round for number one? Number two, a guy like Devontae Adams, for local listeners that are Raiders fans that want to have Raiders on the team, when do you you look to get them for bargain numbers? The problem with Devontae Adams is we don't know what Carr and him are going to look like on the field. So when you look at what Devontae Adams was doing last year with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, you knew what you were going to get. So he was an easy first-round consideration. But you can't deny just his overall talent, the body of work, his NFL body, period. And then the fact that David Carr and him, I mean, Derek Carr and him have that connection from years back. And they've been having, they've remained connected all throughout their careers. He's still worthy of a first-round pick, but it's a little scarier. You know, just because we don't know what it's going to be. Okay, let's stick with the Raiders before we go on. Um, When you look for backup running backs on a week that maybe a team that could go heavy run, if they happen to be playing a weaker rush defense that concentrates on the pass, a guy like Zamir White, who I've been high on since OTAs. Yeah. I mean, you grab him and just sit him there until the time is right. I would take a guy like Zamir White in one of the very last rounds because he's un, he's just unproven. 
Now, because there's a lot of guys that explode in the preseason. There's a lot of guys that get a lot of hype in the preseason that are killing it in camp. But when they make it on the field in a real NFL game, all of a sudden something's lacking. Because a lot of the times these guys that are playing in the preseason aren't playing with the players that are on the field during regular season. So, so it's still kind of new to them. A guy like Zamir White is, is somebody you would take a chance on. But if you're going to take a chance on someone like that, I would wait towards the later rounds. All right, so – the, the team that everybody's pointing to is the uh, Super Bowl favorite of the year, Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Who's of value there? Now, last year you had Emmanuel Sanders mm-hmm. and you had Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley was, one, was, it was a top 100 player. Emmanuel Sanders has been there as well. And we had Cole Beasley, who, in my opinion, was one of the top slot receivers in the game. Right. And now he can't even get on the field. I don't know what's going on. I think maybe they're – punishing him for his, his COVID stances? I'm not – I don't know. I don't want to spread any more speculation. But you already got Stephon Diggs, who's proven, and he's proven it with several quarterbacks. He's still going to be a mainstay. The guy I like is Gabriel Davis, who, if you remember in that epic, epic playoff game with the Bills and the Chiefs, Gabriel Davis didn't have a huge season last year because he was buried on the depth, depth chart. He was number four on the depth chart. So you had – so now he's going to be moved up to number two, and when they finally started to go to him, he went off, and I think it's going to be more of that. You were talking about guys that went off in the preseason. Gabe Davis was still one of those guys, and it's like he didn't even have uh, Josh Allen throwing, him, throwing it to him through the entire preseason. So I think he's going to go off as well, and he's another big guy. He's like 6'2 at wide receiver, big, fast guy. He's going to get open. He's going to feast. So, yes, Gabriel Davis. Okay, now – when it comes to units, right? So with with you you get defensive units, and then is it special teams altogether? Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little about defense and special teams. So when you look at special teams, you're obviously just looking for the kicker, and if you could just get Justin Tucker, it's over. Like you won the kicking game, but you probably drafted someone like that. Like you would. That's another gamble because you're drafting a kicker like Justin Tucker way earlier than anybody else but he's so worth it because he'll be, he's the one that can make these 60 yard field goals it's incredible and he does it so consistently it's just mind-boggling but, but, it, you, but you don't take the kicker you're taking the whole unit you no, just the kicker you do you so, just take the so kicker. daniel carlson's got to be a value guy right right but but the thing is it's like uh carlson but then you look at the defense on the other hand because it's so hard to, to judge like the unit it's like if you're going to take the special teams unit that would also include kick returners but you would have to include that kick returner as a flex or one of your wide receivers or a running back whatever position they're they're normally under um, but when you look at the defense, you know, for me, it just depends. It depends on how uh, on how your team is set up. It just depends on how your team is set up, but how the defenses are ranked. But in my year, I got I got the San Francisco 49ers. But you really want a defense that's going to have a lot of turnovers. The Saints had a lot of turnovers. Saints had a great scoring defense last season. Uh, they were ranked very high. And that's what you're looking for when you're trying to draft a defense. I got, I got one of the Niners, but they didn't really have a lot of picks. They had a lot of sacks, but I didn't see a lot of picks. All right, so now um, your, your insane former roommate. Adam Hill. 
master of fantasy football. I know that he wins. Like, if I was to ever get – there are two people, if I were – no disrespect, but if I were to ever get into a fantasy football, like, I'd want a partner. I'd want to do high stakes where I don't do a damn thing. They just ask me for the money or, like, at the end where it's like, okay, this is what we owe or this is what we collect. There's only two people. You're trying to outsource your fantasy squad is what you're saying. No, if I was to – like, if someone were to ever come and say, hey, do you want to get into fantasy? You don't have to do anything. I'm just looking for – it's, it's $1,000 to get in. I got, you know, three partners or four partners, 250 each, and I can handle the bulk of it, blah, blah, blah. There's only two people that I, that I know in my heart I would trust. Adam Hill and the assistant sports editor at the Review Journal, Alan Liker. They are – I've done one with Alan Liker, and I've collected money years ago when we were roommates, like 20 years ago. But I know what Adam's capable of. But I also know that this dude gets in like 6, 7, 9, 12, 14. Yes. How many do you get in? I get into one oh, because geez. of the same reasons you don't for the same reasons you don't want to get into one is the reason why I just pick one. I don't need 12. Adam, of course, he's going to win every single year when you play 12 different Well, no, that's not true. Season. That's not true because you have to get the right draft picks. I'm going to defend Adam here. You have to get the right draft picks and you have to keep up with that. That's like that's like saying, "Well, I'm the coach of seven teams." In the yeah. NFC. So to his credit, if he's winning several of the high stakes, or some of them he says they're, they're, they're fun or they're free or they're online or they're media ones. But the high stakes ones, I mean, this dude, I know he's winning. He's not lying. So I know he knows what he's doing. And I'm not saying you don't know no, what right, you're right, doing, no, but, no. but it's just that to, to keep up with that is insane. And Adam's already insane. I mean, yes. the, dude, the dude breaks down, like, going into the college basketball season. He scouts all 360-plus teams, and he gets the blue ribbon year. I know. I yeah. know. I've, I've, I'll text. I wake up sometimes at three thirty, and I'll say, I'll put something on Instagram. He'll watch the story, and I'll text him. He'll be up. He goes, just finishing some scouting. See, Adam, when it comes to fantasy squads, has a Mamba mentality. Yeah, yes, it's what it is. That's great. It's but, an obsession. Yes, but it would be more like he. You know what he is? He's got. We're going to call him the Hawk mentality because it's Skyhawk. Ah, Silverado Skyhawk. You see that? I get where you went or, or, there. Or, or how we do? How all of a sudden <laughs> there's all these different color mambas. He's the teal mamba. The teal mamba. We are now. We, he is now being called. I'm getting Cofield on. Adam Hill has been dubbed the teal mamba. He used to be. There's been several nicknames Adam Hill deserved. In high school, we used to call him Big Dog because he always yes. used to wear wear purple, That's and it. he loved Glenn Robinson, who well, was drafted it, by the Bucks back in the day from Purdue. And, yes, and the thing is that I still, I think I still have one of his email addresses. It's Big Dog something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we used to call him Big Dog. Mitch Moss had a situation where Adam burst into the door. Uh, like a crazy, they were partying, and Adam burst in the door like like a Kramer almost, uh, and uh, they called him the Tsunami. So that was one of his nicknames. So there's Big Dog Tsunami and the Teal Mamba. Ah, I'm so proud. I'm so proud that you came up with that all on your own. All right, so when is your draft? When can we expect a report and an update? I already had my draft. Oh, you did? I already okay, had my so, draft. Okay, so let's hear it. Who's your stars? What do you got? Okay, I got Dak. As my quarterback. Okay. Uh, One of my Cowboys. I did get Gabriel Davis as a wide receiver. Okay. I got Derrick Henry. I got, oh, man, it's going to be a second to pull him up. But I got the San Francisco 49ers defense. And that's all I could recall right there. I didn't necessarily have it all prepared to go. But, but yeah, like, so, oh, and uh, I actually got another one of the guys, um, J.K. Dobbins. I actually, I got J.K. Dobbins on my squad and Gabriel Davis. Uh, I got him late. But I definitely think they're going to be steals. Well, you got to like the fact that Gooch comes on, he breaks down fantasy football, and he backs up, he backs up his 
he puts his money where his mouth is with the guys he's talking about because they're on his roster. I'm watching football at Treasure Island. The screens are on. The kitchen is open. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Appalachian State just scored, and I love the Mountaineers today against the Tar Heels. I mixed up our guests. We got Dylan Gonzalez in the first hour. We got Paloma Villacana in the second hour, and we're going to get Dylan on the horn in just a little bit after this break back to throw the flag i was actually really shy at first like i never actually wanted to like go and sing and be in front of people in dakota she was kind of always about that life and i would just kind of like ride and like sing to myself like oh yeah i love this beat i really do gooch i had fun making this rejoin it is gooch and willie ramirez live on Throw the Flag at the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. And the reason why I like making this rejoin, usually you and I pick out songs. That is the sounds of Dylan Gonzalez, former Lady Rebel, musical artist, entrepreneur, businesswoman, Las Vegas resident now, and that was her cut that she released last year, and a proud member of the Perfect Gym. We welcome her now to the show, my girl, Dill. Dylan Gonzalez, how are you? Hey, what's up, Willie? I'm like- so excited to be here today. And so Dakota. Yeah, I'm here oh, too. We, 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 we got Dakota chiming in as well. And, we, you know, that was great that I found that YouTube video. It was a, it was like a, on the basketball court. I think y'all were playing horse or one-on-one or something and doing an interview. And it was funny that that conversation I found in the midst of the interview because yesterday at the Perfect Gym, we were talking about how Dylan was always the shy one. Dakota was the spokesperson for the Gonzalez. Twins, when y'all came to UNLV from Kansas to play for the Lady Rebels, and now, yesterday, Dylan was holding court in the middle of the gym, and Dakota and I just kept looking at each other, just going, "Up, oh, that's Dylan. <laughs> Stealing the spotlight. Well, they're always in the spotlight. So, anyway, let's get started, and I want to start with the Flex City Fashion Jam. You got some new music dropping, Dakota being the creative director, Deuce Brand, Y'all have been so busy promoting. Talk about what's going on with you two because I just can't keep up with it. I mean, every every week is something different. I know, right? Man, listen, you're, you're preaching to the choir right now, Willie. Mm-hmm. So this is Dill here in case anybody can't tell our voices apart. And on, like, the music side of things, I think that's what really inspired the Flex City Fashion Jam as well as my, my team, my executive team. Shout out to Decent Mike, New York Mike. Um, but on the musical side of things, man, we've just been so focused. You already know, we, we left school early after we got our degrees, you know, over, over our music career. We have been crafting our sound and just really trying to stay true to ourselves and find our way, um, because we knew we were going to have a pretty unconventional path, and, and honestly, that just had to do with the morals and the values and the foundation that we have for ourselves as people. And so we knew that we were going to have to do exactly kind of what we did in uh, helping trailblaze the NIL, which was just continue to pioneer and be Renaissance women. So the music is, oh, my goodness, just getting so amazing. The stories are all true. (laughs) They're all based on true stories. So both Dakota and I have been finding our sounds individually and collectively. We can't wait to share it on the platform of the Flex City Fashion Jam. We've been getting performance ready. Shout out to Carol on our foundation board and the NBA Summer League director who had us at one of our favorite events this year, the championship game. 
where we got to sing the national anthem, which you were at, got my yep, hug. Yep, yep. <laughs> to sing the national anthem and do the halftime show. And now our next musical performance, we're getting to do the first Friday gala um, and fundraiser. We get to perform for the mayor. So we can't wait to keep getting ready for the fashion jam with all of these amazing opportunities around the city and, and giving back. And then, yeah, the fashion side, Dakota, she's all about it. I'm so excited about the fashion segment of the Fashion Jam. As much as I love the music, I love fashion. Anybody that knows me knows about it. And we are going to be highlighting some local designers out here. Our personal stylists have been Chaz. Shout out to Chaz two times. Shout out to Dominique from Labeled. They have styled us, Chaz actually styled us for our performance um, that we got to do in the anthem. With and the now anthem. we get to put the Deuce brand in the fashion jam. Yes, yes. So, and it's, of course, Deuce brand. I'm so excited about Deuce brand. So honored to be the creative director. It's been an exciting process creating the line and the women's line specifically. That's also working on a Dakota line. So, um, it's, it's very exciting. Yeah. You guys we just had to do it for the culture, you know. Right now, it's looking like October, November for when we're going to do the Fashion Jam out here in Vegas. It looks like you guys have managed to do everything you've ever wanted to do. Does that sound about right? I mean, it just looks like hard work and determination. You've just made it happen. A lot of people don't get to say that. You know what? I'll say, I will say yes, but at the same time, we still have so many lofty goals and aspirations and ways that we honestly, honestly want to help, like, shape and change the culture and, um, you know, just, just help continue to, to lead us to the light. You know, that's all I can really say, to help lead us in the right direction. And I know that can be a very subjective conversation. So we've just tried to stay true to who we are and try to encourage people to do the same thing at the end right. of the day. But that takes prioritizing Discipline and sacrifice. And timing. And timing. And timing, yeah. exactly. So, and that, that's like the cherry on top. And when you talk about timing and you talk about, I mean, you ladies have had a knack for being able to tie so many things together with your endorsements around town and Blacktop Streetball Pro League, right? So you're going to be a franchise team owner. You've been very heavy on what I've what I've enjoyed our reconnection since we reconnected last year, it's going on two years now, and and you've been over at the Perfect Gym, and I see you different places. Is like at Athletes Unlimited in the WNBA is. Me, when I need some information on somebody, just like their background, if I'm writing a story like, hey, I, uh, do you know so-and-so? Like, oh, yeah, I know her. Like at Athletes Unlimited, Mimi Jackson, that's my girl. You know, or it, it, during the WNBA, one of the people that really you held st- close to your heart and that tugged on your heartstrings as much as it did the entire WNBA was Brittany Griner. So a lot of your efforts in basketball still to this day, you're furthering the effort to just the same thing that the WNBA is. Oh, yeah, man. Like, the thing is, it's, it's a real life, right? And I know that a lot of people, because of the fact that, unfortunately, we have been conditioned not to really value even our own lives, so therefore we don't take care of ourselves properly. So therefore, as we continue to honestly, like, grow, right, which is the aging process, um, we continue to feel weaker and we continue to feel more sick and we become more ill. And a lot of that, like I said, it's a conditioned behavior from just history and history of humanity and repeated patterns of things. And now today we're in a space where people care very little about individual lives. 
And, and it shows even in the way that people care very little about collective lives and, again, their own lives, right? So for me, one of the reasons why I've stayed so active, why Jordan and I had even orig- originally gotten involved at, at Perfect Gym and everything was because I knew that I was going to have to teach people, like, almost how to care again, like how to give a again, excuse me, sorry, but how to give a dang again about, like, the things that really matter. And when it came to, like, Brittany Griner, this is a real person. We've known and exchanged energy with her. She is so incredible, so talented. And at the end of the day, like, people got to have her back. And we, we want to be those people. We want to be on board with the collective effort of everybody, you know, like allies all around. People just find reasons to be divisive. It doesn't really make sense to me. Well, it's just clickbait. The logic behind it. That's all it is. It's just clickbait. It's just, it's just, all, all people want to do is just be angry and they don't, they lose the idea of love and acceptance. They just want to fight for their cause, but unfortunately, we don't see the gray area. I know what you're saying. Exactly. What about yeah, the, can yeah. You, can so, you, you know, t- we, we might not be able to, you know, do this all overnight. It might not all make sense to us right now. I personally don't lean on my own understanding. Because I know there's just grand, grand things happening universally that, you know, I just can't comprehend. So what I do know is I'm going to continue to stand up for what I believe in. And one of those is, as because we, we're up against it, and I got one more for you, one of those things that you believe in that you really push is um, you've been doing a lot of foundation stuff, hashtag safe soil movement with the ISHA Foundation. Um, and, and there's been other little fundraising things that you've done around town, the movements that you've been backing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, look, hashtag love is the movement. Yep, <laughs> that's our foundation, uh, the Peace Train Foundation. Tell your sister, Peace Train, that's the one I couldn't think of on top of my head. Tell your sister to yeah, put that on a shirt, go. by the way. And, you know, if you ever, when in doubt, think Cat Stevens, Peace Train. Uh, you, we're gonna have, you, here's what you're going to need to do. Here's what you're going to need to do. Listen, you, you, you and Jordan started this project, and it was hilarious because I started seeing, you know, when you're a fitness, someone in fitness or someone, whatever it is that you do in life, and you start liking those posts on different things, you start seeing those ads pop up. So I started seeing these sponsored ads for celebrities going, hey, want to work out with me? Like virtual stuff. So right. I was like, hey, man, Jordan, this is kind of – he was like, oh, I got all these. Then Dylan out of nowhere comes to me, and she says, man, I really wanted to do this where it's like you pop it because of their, their following on Instagram. And she said that she's gone to different people. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll get – yeah, yeah, I could do that. And then they never get back to him. She went to Jordan, and he goes, oh, you mean like this? And he already had it down. Right. So they've been yeah. collabing. So I think we need to do a, an apparel drop combining with the fitness, with the perfect apparel, and then the peace train, and we just piece it all together. Oh, yeah, we have to, and then we're going to put it in the fashion jam because it's going to be a world tour, okay, and we're going to take this movement around the world. That's what it is. It's a movement, you know, and it represents something. It's powerful, and that's why, for me, one thing that I knew for certain, especially after just all of the experience that I've had, and same with Dakota through – modeling, through acting, through music, through basketball, through business, through school, whatever it was, the one thing that always stood out to me in any space was that I was always going to have to be a student first. I was always going to have to learn. And I knew that 
I could sell anything, right, because of the fact that I was taught how to, right? So I knew I could sell anything. And from that point, once I had come to those conclusions and they became truth to Dylan's, you know, reality, I didn't doubt them or question them anymore. Um, and because I had real objective proof that supported those, those claims, once I realized that, I knew that I had a responsibility to deliver quality to people. And I didn't want to just sell anything just because money has never been a motivator for me personally. Money is the cheapest thing on me. And that's actually a quote from uh, my, my bishop, T.D. Jakes. But money is the cheapest thing on me. It's, it's something I value, yes, but it's not the thing that I value. It's not the, the thing I put the most value behind, right? Like it doesn't come close to time or to love, right. or to real connections and relationships. It doesn't come close to these things. Absolutely. But yeah. at the end of the day, when I, when I decided, okay, how can I get this operation going on that business mind, on that logic side of things, the first thing was creating that quality foundation. And Jordan, like you said, he had already had that. And I had built my program, which I don't want to disclaim the name quite yet, because I want people to get the Flex City Fashion Jam in their head, but they can look forward so what I'm going to champion is the lifestyle transformation training. All right, listen. Um, and that's the plan. And that's why Jordan and I, I believe the universe connected us because I know that he has those same ambitions when it comes to wanting to help people, but at a quality level to develop quality people. You well, know what I mean? Yeah, and, a, yeah. and a quality life experience overall. And, and and the good thing is, is I've seen you grow since you got here as Lady Rebels. You've actually known my son since when you got here and him growing the business. So what, what we want to do is stay on top of these events that are coming up. We'll shout them out, get you back on as it happens, possibly have a presence out there. But I appreciate you ladies joining us today because we're up against it. We got to get out of here and pay the bills with a couple of ads. But I love you both. <laughs> I appreciate you joining us, and I'm sure I'll see you over at the gym. A hundred percent. Love you, Willie. Really. Thanks for having us. All right. to Las Vegas. Love you guys. Dylan and Dakota Gonzalez, the twins, joining us when we come back. It is the gambling segment, Gooch and Willie's Pick of the Week from Treasure Island. Before I ever ran a casino or got myself blown up, Ace Rothstein was a hell of a handicapper. I can tell you that. I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country. I'm serious. I had it down so cold. I like money. Buddy Gooch, Willie Ramirez, throw the flag right here from the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Treasure Island Casino. And now is the time for the gambling segment. We're over here at the Treasure Island Golden Circle, and there are TVs everywhere. We are totally in the midst. And right now on the television, you got Appalachian State up over North Carolina, 20-7. to Who saw this coming? Well, <laughs> You know, I don't want to dislocate my shoulder and pat myself <laughs> on the back, but I mean, the line went from minus or plus one and a half, uh, plus one and a half Appy State to minus three. Now there was some late breaking news on the field. It, went, it was two o'clock, like around four o'clock this morning. Okay, and then as the teams came out for warm up. Um, North Carolina star receiver Josh Downs, he was in street clothes. He wasn't warming up. He had a lower body injury, 
wasn't considered serious, but he, he was, you know, he was relevant last week. Nine passes for, uh, caught nine passes for 78 yards in week zero in a blowout of Florida A&M. But a key offensive uh, weapon not playing. Now Appalachian State up 21-7 to with 14 minutes left in the second quarter handling North Carolina. That's an interstate rivalry realistically because any team from North Carolina that plays Appalachian State in football – from Boone, North Carolina, it's a, to, to them, it's a rivalry. They want to beat them, you know what I mean? The FBS, the Power Five, the this and that, and Appalachian State putting it on them. And I have seen, if you can think of a, a school like Appalachian State, how many more time, How many times have they shocked us, took it, beat top teams, like right. they beat Michigan those years a few years ago, right. and they have taken so many top teams to the wire. I don't know what it is about App State, but they are they always got that dog mentality. It's, Tie back. Yeah, I saw how you did that. Um, so it's one of those. There, I think it's one of those schools where if you come from from you know the Carolinas, and you don't get recruited, it's almost like I'm going to show you. Yeah. Or somewhere in the south, and it's it's one of those cool schools. It's picturesque. It's beautiful country, and it's almost like you're in a fraternity. The entire school is a fraternity. Like I'm going to go there, and I'm going to show you, and then and and the selling point is. This is what we do. We continually challenge the big boys, and then we go dominate in the conference, and we're going to a bowl game. Come play with us. And then you stand out, and they're like, man, the Apple and, and you get some sports center highlights, and you might get recruited, or not recruited, scouted and invited to a combine. Chip on the shoulder, you. All right, so let's get to our picks. Yeah. I, I guess I might as well just start things off. I'm going to go with the big game today, Ohio of State. Of course you Of are. course I'm going to go with the big game. Uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame. I'm going to go with the under. Okay. And the reason why I went with the under is because I don't believe in Notre Dame's offense. They just have so many young players at skill positions. Ohio State's offense, they got C.J. Stroud coming back. And then plus Jim Knowles, their new defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, he's going to come in with a completely different uh, style than what they had last year. I just think that Ohio State is going to – Probably put up over 30, but I just do not see Notre Dame coming close to not, – not saying coming close, but hitting tw- above 28. All right, so 4 o'clock today. Yes. Liberty is laying points on the road to Southern Miss, and if I'm not mistaken, they're betting Liberty. Like, they're coming in. Liberty's become this, like, darling – nobody knows about them, but they've heard about them because of what Hugh Freeze has done. So he's kind of come in and turned this program around – Last year, eight and five. Southern Miss finished three and nine. On paper, you don't have anything to go off of. You're really not digging deep, and you see this Liberty team that's really made some noise. Um, they've taken the nation by storm the last three seasons, but I think this is going to be their biggest test yet this season, the entire season, because it's kind of like okay, those three teams that those those three rosters. There's been some turnover. You're now blending in. Well, Liberty just lost their star quarterback uh, well, in the draft. Yes, well that too, but. You still have there's there's components of this team that's led by Hugh Freeze that they're they're still buying into, which it makes sense. But I think when you have a team like Southern Miss, um, they have twenty they have twenty more scholarship players back this year than they did last season. Okay, and the hype like like I said behind Liberty. But those are the little things. Like you said, they have to, they're now having to develop an identity. They have to establish a proven leader at quarterback once again. They're opening this game at home, Southern Miss. And I think that they're going to want to prove a point against this team, sort of quiet them a little bit, 
because not that they're mouthy, but they're, Liberty's sort of where Appalachian State was when they first joined the FBS out of FCS. Um, and I just think that this is a year where I, they're still going to contend once they get in conference play, but this non-conference game to start off on the road at Southern Miss with sort of a chip on your shoulder is probably not the best way to go. And I, I just think that uh, I, I like the home dog in this spot. If I'm not mistaken, too, i got to go back and check. I'll be ready for it next week. I believe I'm 4-0 with my free picks. I chose – who did I, I – I, You had an over last week or something, or you had an under. I think I, think I was – I think I, I lost one. So I think I'm 3-1. So well, altogether, 7-1 is not bad for the gambling segment, and we are at the Treasure Island Sportsbook, uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We're talking about gambling. We're in the middle of a book. It's week one of college football. I'm not sure why you're not down here because yeah. the kitchen's open. There's crowds around. The TVs are on. Drink special. Gambling kiosk. You can go make your own play at the self-service uh, kiosk. So get down here. Listen, when we come back, you know what we got to touch on because we're in Las Vegas, baby. I think we got to talk on the Raiders when we come back. Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag with your hosts, Gooch and Willie Ramirez on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah. Soak it in, Raiders. Once again, throw the flag. Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, and we're going to talk about the hometown team. Our, I like to say that, our Las Vegas Raiders. Willie, I'm just going to throw it right to you, bro. You're the king of all Raiders. You got, you got your thumb on the, the pulse. I got my thumb on the pulse. I don't know if I'm the king of the Raiders. Our, 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 our esteemed program director, Q, does a fantastic job. Uh, can I say I'll, Duke of the Raiders? I'll, I'll take Duke. Okay. I could be, I Q could, could be, be king. I, I could be a Duke. Yeah. Q could be king. We got some other guys that do a, a stand-up job across our network, including our, uh, your boy Adam Hill. Mm-hmm. Cofield's been out there a little bit. This this uh, Cofield's like everywhere, dude. He's going to like UNLV practice, Raiders practice. I mean, I don't even – I mean, I – I'm surprised that dude just doesn't buy an RV and sleep in parking lots. I feel like Cofield has a pack of wild dogs at home that he just doesn't want to come home to. That's what just keeps him out working all the time. Know, it's like man. there's got to be something. Is the there dude, a ghost? Does he dude, have a poltergeist at home? The dude does more sound. Um, but, yeah, so Raiders, man, it's, 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 they're ready to go. They're, they're enjoying four days off. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and Monday and Tuesday, they are getting back at it. Now, I'm sure they're in the facility doing some lifting, training, whatever, but as far like, I know that they're off, um, you know, from, from us, the facility. We're, we're not going out there till Tuesday. Uh, locker rooms will be open. Josh McDaniels is pleased with the Raiders' opening roster. Um, it does not include Alex Leatherwood. It's got five running backs, and it's got four undrafted rookies and it's a roster he feels that he can go in and contend with immediately they open the season september 11th in la at sofi against the arch rival chargers who will be looking for revenge from last year's season ending loss in overtime at the buzzer daniel carlson sends the raiders to the playoffs sends the chargers to the golf course one of my favorite moments in all of nfl because all the chargers had to do was just run the clock out, and then the Raiders were like, "I want violence," yeah. and they snatched it from them. Oh, it was it was it was a uh, I was I was at the, you know I covered the game for the Associated Press. I'm at that game, and it goes down to the end, and that was one of those games where the lead to my story changed like 
18 times in three minutes. You're back and forth. You go, oh, man, and then you change the lead again. Then they come down and go, oh, man, and you're back and forth. You never know. And with AP, you have to have a story on the wire within one minute of it ending. So I have to call the editor and go, okay, I'm in. And then you race down to the press conference, get quotes, come back, and then within an hour you, you rewrite the whole thing with quotes. So that was a wild, wild game. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in week one in L.A. with the roster that Josh McDaniels um, has put together with his staff. I'm especially intrigued about the defense. I've been talking about the offense the entire training camp, but the defense, because of what it looked like against that number one offense from New England. Now, granted, New England I don't think is going to be as high-powered and, and dominant as we've seen in years past, now with McDaniels here, but the fact is the second-team defense, for the most part, and third-team guys dominated New England's first-string offense for four series. And we haven't even have we even seen we haven't even seen a whole game where you got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the same at the same time coming after the quarterback. So there is plenty of reasons to look at the Raiders and just get excited. I mean, I am through the roof excited for yeah, this season. The, now, one guy that we haven't seen too much consistency from uh, at training camp is Darren Waller. Now he ended up signing with a new agent. He dumped Clutch Sports. He grabbed. Drew Rosenhaus, he announced on Wednesday he's with Drew Rosenhaus. I texted with Drew um, that day saying, hey, um, do you have an ETA for, the, for an extension? And will it be signed by week one? And he said, I want a deal done ASAP. That was his response to me via text. So um, the thing is, is I ha you have to wonder, did having a new agent all of a sudden make the hamstring better? Was he ever injured? Oh, there, there is something about getting a new agent that all of a sudden it just makes your muscles feel good. Well, and here's the thing. You know, guys get stingers all the time. Like, I worked legs two days ago. I had surgery on my knee, and it started feeling funky. And I texted with the surgeon, and I texted with the physical therapist, and they were like, yeah, well, Willie. And I said to them, I haven't really been doing legs like I should be doing. Could that be? My physical therapist said, your IT band could be little tight roll it out do your reg go back to doing your regular workouts get some squats in i was avoiding them get back to your regular so there's things that he could have been doing where it could have triggered something he's been getting extra treatment the hamstring was tight hey let's say he's got a hamstring injury so the old agent feeds information to adam schefter schefter puts it out everybody thinks it's gold but in the reality is he could be out there working with his boys. He could be running around and then just get treatment and stim and massage and fascial stretch therapy and be good to go over the next day. I don't want to bring his name up because every time I think Josh McDaniels, I have to say it, but it just sounds like something Bill Belichick would do where he tells his star player, look, pretend to be a little hurt. Just go, you know, like if anybody asks you, just be really vague about the injury. Don't really give a, a 100% of, it, of the information of the truth of, what, of what's really going on here. And because now it just may, maybe hopefully they're thinking the Chargers are going to think that Waller isn't going to be available and he's going to be open all day. I mean, it's, these, are, these are the little tiny things that really don't mean a lot. But they, the games are still being played. The mind games are still being played to throw the opponent off. Well, and I sound like a broken record when it comes to Waller because I've stuck to my guns the entire time. I've said that when he was out there for training camp and then he wasn't out there for training camp, I, I feel that – McDaniels and Ziegler have promised him, you're going to be taken care of. We're going to get this deal done. We need to get through the final cuts. When every team makes their 53 men and an offensive line is available, 
offensive lineman, if we need to beefen it up, once we've made the cuts, we see where we're at. If we need to spend any money, we got $21 million in the, in the bank, right? What we need to spend. Then we could let just give us that time. In the meantime, he's, you know, you're seeing guys go down left and right. They're not going to go down in practice. The, the, the Raiders are just they're not going to put him in jeopardy that way. I haven't seen Devontae Adams get, you know, he got yeah. hit one time. But, and I think Clutch had too much stronghold on him saying, don't do this, don't do that. Because there was the one day, the, the one week he told me at the Aces game, I'll be straight, I'll, I'll be out there next week. I said, okay. I left it at that. I never pressed him. But. He went out there the one day and then he was off. I think that they said, "What are you doing? Don't you know?" And they're, and they're advising him, and he doesn't like that. I think he wants to be out there with his boys. He said it before. He said, "No, I came to play. I'm not worried about that. My agent will take care of that." I don't think that they were taking care of what he wanted them to take care of, and he wanted to be training and practicing, and they were limiting that. And especially too, this is going to be a giant year for him, right? Because of the weapons. I mean, look at the. I, I've said this earlier uh, when we were talking about fantasy stuff. This is a couple of weeks ago. I think Hunter Renfro is going to have a huge year. Yeah, I think they're all going to have a I think, year. And that's what I'm saying. It's like I think Hunter Renfro is going to have a good year. Devontae Adams I th- is obviously going to be Carr's favorite target. But you, you don't think that Waller is going to be wide open 30 yards down in the middle of the field? Like, it's going to be there all day. Right, just like we saw it, what he did in New England. Yeah. Whether, where, you know, whomever was lined up, whether it was Gronk, uh, whether it was Hernandez when – you know, he was playing. Uh, and then you see your slot receivers in Welker and Edelman, and then you got your big targets, whoever it may have been, for Brady. Now Carr has that, and he's going to have that same system with Waller, Renfro, and uh, Adams. On the other side of the ball, a guy who's bracing for a big season both on and off the field is Max Crosby. Now, I got to do uh, somewhat of an exclusive interview. I spoke with his fiance. Um Grab some quotes from some previous media availabilities. But Max Crosby, one month from today is her due date, Rachel Washburn. And uh, he spoke to us recently about his excitement about being a father. Um, I'm just super excited. You know, this whole, this camp has been super long. A lot going on. You know, Rachel's giving me updates, sending me videos. Freaking seeing a baby kick around their stomach is like the craziest thing, but um, it's just, it's incredible. You know, it just gives me an extra bit of motivation, you know, having a having a daughter on the way. Um, we've been talking about it for so long, and finally, you know, it's about to really happen. So I can't wait till she gets here. Um, we're going to we're gonna have a blast. So. One thing I love about Max Crosby, second round, I mean, uh, fourth round pick, and he kind of came out of nowhere, had his struggles with, a, uh, with addiction, and now all of a sudden he's playing at all pro level. He's got a child on the way. I mean, it's just another stunning example of you can turn your life around. Yeah, and, he, and, and it, it really weighed heavy on his mental health. And, and, the, and uh, an exclusive he gave me last December, he told me that he was never the popular kid in high school, but he played football and he did this. And he, and he says, I wasn't the handsome guy, quote, unquote. And, and he, he yearned for that. Like, he chased that. Now he's one of the most popular guys in the room and when he comes to the media room. So we asked him, Adam asked him, uh-oh, what happens? So they play the Denver Broncos on Denver sec- uh, dis- on dis- um, October 2nd at Allegiant. Russell Wilson, uh, Max, what happens if Rachel goes into labor one day soon? I've already talked to Coach McDaniels, you know, as far as planning for that. You know, we have a emergency team you know who's going to call me and so you know she goes into labor and everything like that so we're already ahead of the curve you know I feel like it's just going to happen the way it's supposed to happen so um, you know I'm not stressing about it it's got to be a lot to think about this season's going to be huge but 
Things are bigger than sports. Yeah, things they, are bigger than sports. They are, but what I love to see about this couple, they, I mean, in talking to Rachel, like we follow each other, we've messaged each other, um, is that I think that they feed off one another, and re- she has been the biggest support system for Max Crosby, and I think she has a lot to do with him thriving on the field. We see what's going on with Tom Brady right now, right? He left for 11 days, and all of a sudden Giselle probably left the country. They're supposedly having, and I think it has a lot to do with him sort of reneging on the the, the retirement and the returning to the NFL. Rachel Washburn is the reason, is a big reason, because when you can leave the field in the training facility and leave a game and know what you're coming home to and the support system that they, she provides, Max Crosby has a big, big future ahead of him, and it has to do with a lot more than what he's done in the weight room, in the facility, and on the field. It's his home life and how he's changed things around, and his fiance has had a lot to do with that. They're really... People lose sight of the old saying, it just takes a village. And it doesn't just take a village to raise a child. It also takes a village to just build up your self-esteem, be able to look at yourself in a mirror and know that you could be better. And that's the one thing that I love about Crosby's story. He was a fourth-round pick, and now all of a sudden he's playing like he's one of the top ends in the whole league. I just love it. And it's because he turned his whole life around. All right, well, that's one week out One week and one day. Raiders at the Chargers. It's Gooch. It's Willie. We are at Treasure Island Sportsbook and Bar, the Golden Circle. The kitchen's open. The bar is open. The kiosks are are, are ready for you. The action, the lines. It's week one college football. We're going to be back to throw the flag. Josh has changed so much. I, I would say less in the NFL and more in terms of being an agent and, and recruiting college players. The biggest change is that college players are now professional players. You got pro players in college and now you've got pro players in the NFL. I'd rather be with you, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bringing it back with Bootsy Collins. Mm. Y'all, if you don't know Bootsy, then I'm not sure what you're doing with yourself. But get, get, educate yourself. One folks. of the best bass players ever. And, and it was apropos that we come out of the Raiders segment and into the sounds of Drew Rosenhaus with AP's Rob Maddy talking about the differences from now, uh, you know, from now in the past with talent and, and, and representing players. Uh, and then, of course, Bootsy. I'd rather be with you because Darren Waller would rather be with Drew than LeBron. I so like the tie. I, I, you see how I did that? You see how I bring some funk to the show? It looked like one of those detective shows where they have like all the the, the, the yarn attached yeah, to, yeah, yes, <laughs> to yes. like a kingpin. I, I, I try to tie everything together, and anytime I throw some old school funk tits, it's good stuff. But uh, so it's time for me to throw the flag. Okay, listening. I'm starting with local sports audiences. Now, when I am at press row and, I'm, and they play the national anthem, I stand up, I put my hand over my heart, always have, Todd Jordan too. I have no problem with the, late, with the aces and the, and the visiting teams leaving the court. Um, the people that have said, you know, people have fought for the right, or people have fought for your right, you should stand. Well, they also fought for the right to make the decision to protest anything that you want. So I really don't care what you do. But you know what I do care about? Please, tell us. If you're at an Aces game, or an Aviators game, or a Raiders game, but you're not at a Golden Knights game, stop screaming night at that point in the song. I got it. The first year, the second year, it was cool. Now it still does it. Ryan Reeves and uh, and uh, William um, 
Carrier were doing it when there was no, you know, during the pandemic years and there was no year and there was no crowd. So they were screaming it. The crowd does it. Everybody loves it. People film it at that point, 18-5 in, in, inside T-Mobile Arena. I, it irritates me to no end. I don't know why it does, but it just doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. You're at the Aces game. You're at the Raiders game. You're at an aviator, whatever. You're at some place in Las Vegas that's playing the national anthem, and it's not a Golden Knight game. Stop screaming, Knight. I'm throwing the flag. Well, it has no point to say it because they're not – it's not like they're the Las Vegas Knights or the the Aces. you got to let the Knights have their own thing. Yes. You have to let the Come Knights have their own thing. Find a different word in the song, in the national anthem, and scream that during the Aces game or during the Raiders game or during an aviators game or an Arborview game. Or a Shadow Ridge game. Or a Gorman game. Or wherever you're at. Right. But night doesn't fit unless you're at a Golden Knights game. If Raider was in the National Anthem, scream it at the Raider game. Yes. If Ace was in the National Anthem, scream it at the Aces game. Yeah, find one of the guys' names that ties in with the National Anthem. Figure out a way to work Devontae in there. Yeah, exactly. Figure out a way to work, yeah. to work Derek Carr or, or, or Josh Jacobs or Max Crosby, something. Or let's just say you want to see Derek Carr go deep whenever they're, like, in the bombs. Bombs! Bomb. Yes, yes, yes. That's there it. There it is. Because We're doing that's it. the ra- you know, that's the trademark Raider. We saw that in the first play of the Hall of Fame game, right? Where The bomb. Uh, yeah, the bomb. So I from now on. Bombs should be yelled out at Raiders. We're starting it right now. So far this show, our creativity is off the charts. Teal Mamba? Teal Mamba. Yelling bomb at the Raider game during the – Actually, don't do it at the airport, but you can yell bomb during the anthem at the Raider game. Don't say that word. (laughs) Don't say that word. All right, did you see this? Now, this apparently came out a few months ago, but I heard this story the other morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. California is spending $90 million to build a bridge strictly for wildlife. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> is there going to be a toll? I, you know? I don't know, but I, what I do know is, like, there's homeless problems. Like, people are living in tents on the street. Like, we're, like every time I come into town uh, – I, the, the, the the exchange oh. by the, by Sahara, right, from 95 to 15, you come through, and if you go off on Sahara, you stay on the 15, that, that little interchange there where there's shade, there's tents and shopping carts. But this is here. In L.A., tenfold. Oh, it is. you and yeah, In L.A., when you are walking around, you have to play hopscotch to avoid the dookie on the streets. It is crazy. There is so much chaos in California. So when you're bringing up the homeless situation, yeah, Callie, let's focus on that. But I do understand why you got the bridge because there's so many forest fires and you want to give the animals a shot. And it's California, and Californians, uh, for the mo- from what I understand, value people more or value animals more than people. <laughs> and so it's, it's it, the crossing is going to span Route 101. And it's, it, it's there to provide safe passage for mountain lions and other animals hemmed in by the freeways that surround the Santa Monica Mountains. So are you going to have signs for the lions to read that point to the bridge? Well, no, but I'm wondering is if, it, like, for, like we have, like if you go, if you drive out to Blue Diamond, right, or if you drive out to Red Rock, their sign says, you know, don't feed this. Or, like, will they have signs that says car crossing? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Ah, so, well done. Okay, so you happened to watch Purdue-Penn State the other day. Yes. 
I missed this, but I saw the story. Why don't you help me out with this? It was crazy. Well, first off, there was a there was a pick six that was thrown by Penn State, uh, and. The Purdue player caught it. Jeff, Chris Jefferson caught it, ran in the end zone, and his big celebration, vomiting mm. on the field. Yes. I, you better not throw the flag. I'm keeping it. I'm good. If you throw the flag, I'm going to run over there, pick it up, and try to get to it before the ref's seen it because that is amazing. Go big if you're going to go with a celebration. And this is college, too. You're going to get fined if you spike the ball or celebrate a little bit more. You know what? Why not just – why not just throw in something that's going to be a little eye-catching and really get into the the, the opponent's head? Where was he located when the vomiting took place? I don't know. They just put a camera on it, and you're like, "Whoa, that's a lot." Okay, so if 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 there was if there was like adrenaline and whatever it would, the, the 72 yard run. Well, first of all, I'm not going to throw the flag on him because I don't think that you could. I don't think that that was part of the celebration. Right. Do I want to throw the flag on the conditioning coach? Or the chef, or do they, did, they, did they call it a chef? Like, who makes the players food? I don't know. Well, I don't think he got sick from that. I think he just got, he, he Maybe ran he so ate hard. the wrong thing, though. Yeah, it's just like, you know, when your trainer pushes you to the brink on leg day, and you and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you're on your third set. It's a hit workout. You've done squats. You just got done doing walking lunges, and then you did Stairmasters, and now you have to do plank for 30 seconds, and you stand up, and it's like, Where's the where's the garbage can? I, 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 and I will say this pick six that Chris Jefferson pulled off was crazy. Like the the it was one of those things where it was like one of those plays where it was pretty magical. So maybe he was just overly excited. Maybe he was just too happy and he just exploded. Who knows, dude? I it it uh, I I'm not sure. It's his one chance of getting on television, and this is what he does with it. You know what, man? Start those retweets. Be the viral sensation. Start up a clothing line. Um. So, I'm not sure if I'm going to throw the flag on this, but I'm just going to put Evander Holyfield gloves from the Mike Tyson earbite fight. They hit the auction. They're expecting to go for $100,000. Wow. I would like to see the first pair of headphones he wore after he got his ear bitten <laughs> off. Let's get some Evander DNA, and then let's get some money on that. Wow. The gloves, though. I remember when that happened. Do you remember? That was one of those yeah. moments in sports where I knew exactly where I was. I was working at the Reebok factory outlet. It used to be the old Bell's Mall. Yeah. And then this is when we had pagers. This is, uh, and then my pager was going off from all my buddies. I finally got to one of them. Did you see what Mike Tyson just did? I'm like, no, I'm at work. Dude, one of the most memorable moments. Now, what kind of beeper did you have? Uh, I had a free Mountain Dew beeper that I got because, uh, but I'm yeah. You, but what was it? Did it have the front face? display where you could type something or oh, or, no. or, or, or did, was it the, the old school Motorola or was just the top screen and just numbers? Just the top screen where you could spell out words like hello. Yes, 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 yes. And yes, 911 yes. Well, was when you had to get to your buddy. Okay, so let's let's get to the nitty gritty because in 91, the girl I was dating, we, it was beepers, right? And and you had to have, like you had to make bank back then to have a, a gray cell brick phone, right? Oh, yeah. The, the Zach Morris. Yeah, back then it was Centel, the, the, the carrier here in Vegas. And so you talk about texting. We used to send messages with the letters corresponding to the number. So we'd spell out words using the numbers that correspond. Then you'd have. So then you're sitting there writing down. Well, okay, J K L M N O. And then you're writing in order. And then you're trying to word find the yeah. word. And that's how we would send messages sometimes, especially if we were arguing. Yeah. And meanwhile, people would look at that and they would think that you were sending code. Yeah. yeah. Well, you kind of was. Now, and there were codes back in the day. Right. You, you, so like, okay. Well, nine one one. We just brought that up. Nine one one. You hit star. 
and then you'd hit like. But I'm saying like codes like like start like my code was 99. Okay. So you beep somebody from a number. We used to drive around with. I had the 68 Volkswagen Bug and a roll of quarters in my glove compartment. Okay, and that's when you could cruise the strip in six minutes. You'd go from Circus Circus down to Spring Mountain, flip around and come back up, and you drive in front. You drive real slow in front of the slots of fun and the McDonald's. And you'd have the music blaring. You'd have Run DMC or Houdini. And then whoever was in the passenger seat or if you were in the passenger seat, you'd come up with something that had to do with your head. And you would do it at the same time dancing. And you'd try to catch the girls. Uh, and then whoever waved, you'd pull over. You'd go get the digits. You'd give up the beeper number. And you'd give them a code. God, what's your, what's, hey, what's your beeper code? Oh, I use this. Okay, cool. And then, of course, some of the girls, it was, oh, I use 69. Mine was 99. Uh, you back, kept it class. Back then... The street pharmacist, if you will, they use 007. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, Willie. Beeper days. Old school Vegas. Gosh, I miss those days. There's nothing that lights Willie up more than when you talk about Vegas before cell phones. I have found this. Yeah, man. 1986 <laughs> through 90. Basically, 86 through the time when I met. Jordan's mom. That doesn't mean that that was a bad thing that I met his mom, but I'm just saying it was that time because I was hanging out. I was going. Right. Places. I was at the. You were being young, I, and I was at the young age. Willie of, Will uh, was Willie patrolling. Will was, uh, that, uh, have I asked this on this show? I know I've asked it on other shows. Have I asked this? Do you know that what the first hotel nightclub was in this town? The first hotel nightclub. First hotel nightclub. No. The first hotel nightclub wasn't even on the Strip. It was Club Rio. Really? Yes, they had the ghost bar up top, but then they opened the Club Rio at the bottom. Eventually, Prince did a minor. I remember the Prince. He, he did a residency there, but there was no hotel nightclubs before that. Now, a lot of people guess Studio Fifty Four wasn't Studio Fifty Four, but that came along. Then Rum Jungle, and there were the different clubs. But man, back in the day when there were just standalone clubs like Tramps and Shark and Chaz and Botany's and Premier. Uh, prior to that, brewery, shark, or uh, jubilation, those were the days, man. Those were the you can't, and, and I'll bring that up again. I mean, I could talk about old Vegas forever. And especially when you had a plan like Willie had to get girls, the whole synchronizing, the head bobbing. Yeah, I mean, that is brilliant. He's so fun. Look at me. He doesn't take himself seriously. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I'm the nicest. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, we so. You know who's well, – we're sitting here amidst all these TV screens. It's week one of college football. But a bye week for UNLV football. They started out last week, week zero, with a big win over Idaho big State. Dumb. The Aces play tomorrow in game three up in Seattle. And you know who's all over those beats? Paloma Villacana from Channel 5. When we come back, we're going to get her on the horn. Well, on July 7th, when Mark Davis, you know, announced you as team president, it was it was so empowering to see a woman of color, a female in that role. Uh, you know, when I, I saw the pictures of you, it made me say, I could do that. My daughters could do that. You know, my future generation of females could be in this position. Sorry I missed your call. I was on the jet. I've been so zoned out trying to figure out what's next. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. Throw the flag. That is the sounds of Paloma Villacana along with Rod Wave Street Runner. It is Gooch, Willie Ramirez. We are at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Throw the flag. Paloma! <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was so crazy. 
cool. I love Rod Wave. I love Rod Wave. That was really cool. I was low-key, like, a little emotional right there, Willie. <laughs> I, did that ju- I did that rejoin just for you. And let me just tell you, the, 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 the sentiments that you shared with uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan, that was, that was a one-on-one that Paloma did with the president of the Raiders. Let me tell you something. Uh, in, in, in your message to her that, hey, it tells me that I could do this, since you have been here, Paloma, you are doing it. You have taken this city by storm. And I tell this to people all the time. If there's one thing that we have in this city as it has grown, we have empowered women covering this sports town from Paloma Villacana to Kevin e. Martin to Tina Wynn to Cassie Soda to Heidi Fang. We have, I would put all of you up against any other city and like that and challenge them to do what you ladies do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really proud of, of all our hard work. And, yeah, Mark Davis, man, what he's done with the Raiders and the Aces and, and the women he's hired and, you know, the women I get to work alongside with, sit at games with, you know, it's awesome. I love it. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, Paloma, this is Gooch with, uh, with the ESPN. And, you know, obviously UNLV started off hot last week. So happy to see them get – a win right off the bat. What does that say about the rest of the season? Yeah, well, there's just a difference in this football team. And I saw it at training camp. I mean, immediately the first couple practices I went to in fall, you could just see the impact that Arroyo's transfers have in this program. He's brought over um, experienced older guys from Power 5 programs from all over the country. Uh, his receiving core looks really strong this year. You know, Doug Brumfield looks confident, healthy, uh, poised, you know, the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. So it is a different football team this year, you know, and Coach Arroyo said after the game, you know, it's different this year. It's different. We're tired of getting circled on the calendar. You know, that's over. That's over. You know, it's, it's different. I mean, just his personnel, his coaches, uh, it's a brand-new football team this year, and I'm, I'm so happy that they were able to start fast and, you know, put up 45 points by halftime, oh. you know. That, that, that's it right there, you know, just setting the tone of how this season's going to go. You know, they have a bye this week, but uh, every player I've talked to said, no, we're in here 24 hours a day during the bye week, you know, from 5 a.m. to late at night. We're here every day uh, just treating it like a game week. So, yeah, this is a different football team we're going to see from UNLV this year. And leading into week one, there was a quarterback controversy. There was up to three quarterbacks that people were speculating that could start. Brumfield came out, looked really good. How far do you think he has separated himself from the pack? Yeah, I think I think he just has that experience with Coach Arroyo. You know, he's been there. Um, you know, last year he was injured, only played in three games. But um, Cam Creel, he's right behind them, too. And, and the Tennessee transfer, you know, Harrison Bailey also looked strong this year, too. But you know, Harrison is new. You know, he's still learning the culture, still learning the playbook. Um, so for, for Arroyo to go with Doug Brumfield, it was really all about the chemistry, just the chemistry that Doug had built with, you know, the O-line, his running backs, his receivers, um, and just, just the leadership that Doug Brumfield is bringing this season. Um, and it, I'm just happy to see him, him feel confident. You know, he was banged up all last season. So for him to come out and put out, put out the numbers he did, you know, that's a credit to Doug Brumfield, but it's also a credit to their O-line looking better this year. Uh, their O-line looking, you know, stronger, stronger communication. They're led by Leaf, uh, their center. So, so hats off to Doug Brumfield, but also hats off to UNLV's O-line looking improved this year. 
And and not only that, but the defense. Now, of course, it looks good against an FCS school, and we saw what yeah. it was able to do. But I, I, I'm going to ask you how it'll fare against Cal, but I want to preface that by saying that this is a team that lost so many close games last year. And what I noticed, where you noticed things in the tra- – you were saying how you saw it in training camp, you saw the attitude. But what I saw last year was that there was a, a non-defeatist – team that continued to play for Arroyo and itself mm-hmm. in those close games, a never-give-up attitude. Are we going to see that when it visits a Power 5 going up to Northern Cal against uh, the Cal Golden Bears? Yeah, well, this is also a brand-new defense. I mean, Coach Arroyo has brought in Keith Hayward, uh, his new defensive coordinator, who's come from the Pac-12, and that's great. I mean, Coach is coming from the Pac-12, his whole coaching staff has had experience in the Pac-12, but uh, you know, I asked Coach Royal, do you guys have a, an in? Because Keith Hayward is coming from Cal. He coached outside linebackers at Cal last season. And, and Coach Royal was like, well, man, they know. They know Keith is on our staff and everything. So um, the difference I'm seeing in this defense this year is, again, the impact of the transfers, uh, the transfers that Coach Royal has brought in, bigger, faster, and stronger. And one thing Keith Hayward told me, uh, you know, from – his takeaways from the game on Saturday is just the improved communication, you know, the, the ability to pick up his playbook, pick up the scheme as fast as they did. Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, they're going up against an elevated talent against Cal uh, on Saturday. But I think Keith Hayward coming from Cal, having that experience with Coach Wilcox and just Keith Hayward's experience in the Pac-12, I feel like his guys will be ready for the challenge. ESPN Radio. Once again, throw the flag down here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island. Willie Ramirez Gooch. We have Paloma Viacana um, from Fox 5. We're talking with her right now. And we're talking UNLV football. And what has to happen when they do play Cal in order for UNLV to still, uh, you know, obviously they're, if they win, it's going to blow the roof off. But if they, if they come, like, what has to happen in order for them to stay with it? Like, what do they have to do to stay with Cal? Yeah, they just have to be really detailed, really detailed. You know, they got to match, match the talent level. And, you know, Keith Hayward was telling me we don't even have to, like, match the talent level. We have to play our football, you know, our, our culture, our, our football. Um, you know, Coach Roya was saying it doesn't change. You know, their preparation doesn't change whether they're playing, you know, an FCS team, an FBS team. It doesn't change. You know, if they're getting ready for the Rose Bowl, if they're getting ready for the Mountain West Championship, the way they practice, the way they play is not going to change, you know, depending on their opponent. So, um, you know, Coach and Coach Royal is really strong about that. The way they practice, the way they play, um, it doesn't matter who, who they're facing. It's, it's, it's their way, their way of practicing and, and their culture and everything. But, yeah, I mean, they are going up against the Pac-12 school and elevated talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, so they need to be detailed. And, hey, I mean, uh, on Saturday's game, it, it was awesome to see, you know, that they didn't have a lot of mistakes on both ends of the ball, not a lot of penalties, um, you know, one takeaway, too. So, so right. to see that compared to last season where uh, there were several penalties, several mistakes throughout the games, um, you know, UNLV just has to be really detailed and, you know, really, really focused and, and just playing their way of football when it comes to, to Cal next Saturday. Well, we brought you in talking about empowering women earlier this show. We also talked about we had Dylan Gonzalez on. We have you on. We have so many powerful women in this city, and one of them happens to be the WNBA Coach of the Year in Becky Hammond. Her and the Aces are up in Seattle getting ready for game three 
Um, we saw Seattle steal game one. I actually foresaw that coming. I could see it and feel it. <laughs> I felt that Seattle yeah. could challenge and steal that one, but there was no way Asia Wilson was going to be happy with game one. She went off in game two, as did Brianna Stewart, but the Aces pull it off, not the series at one apiece. Now they go up there. I actually think they're at the advantage in game three, and Seattle holds the pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun to watch the Aces on the road. I feel like they played better on the road this year. I don't know why. Maybe it was the competition. Um, but they, I know the Aces have done well up in Seattle this season. And, you know, they, they beat Sue Bird. They took her down in her last, you know, regular season home game in Seattle. So maybe they got that, that chip on their shoulder from the 2020 uh, WNBA Finals. You know, Seattle dominated the Aces in that 2020 WNBA Finals uh, game. So. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's what we've heard all season from Asia Wilson, from Kelsey Plum, you know, that they want it bad this year and that they've, they've, they've looked back at the years past. They've looked back at their mistakes. And they said, we're not doing that again. You know, we're not, we're not going to come short, come up short against, you know, the Mercury against Seattle. So, uh, and man, the way Asia Wilson played uh, the other night, that was, you know, you, you said, Willie, she looked possessed. Yeah. You know, she was locked in. You know, she was focused. And she said she, she can't even remember, you know, the third quarter when right. she was out there. That's how locked in she was. So if that Asia Wilson shows up, you know, if Kelsey Gray, you know, the dog she is, Kelsey Plum, you know, if they show up in Seattle, um, you know, it's, it's going to be fighting. Man, Mark Davis was like, Plum, are you packing your bags? You, you, you get in a flight up to Seattle? And I was like, man, I'd love to be up there. But, <laughs> but that, that's just, just the, the, the series, too. You know, the Seattle Aces series is so good. Uh, you know, you got star talent on both teams, so this matchup is always good. But yeah, I mean, the Aces and Becky Hammond—it's just you know, it's a different culture, it's a different team, it's a different drive, uh, and the Aces want to win it all this year. Well, to your point about the road team, that's the reason I thought Seattle had the advantage in Game One. They say that when you have extended time at home, you become a little bit more relaxed. Yes, you get to go home and sleep in your own bed, but you also get to get a little too relaxed in your normalcy of your everyday life. The Aces were off for eight days, seven days, the eighth day they play. Mm -hmm. So they've been around Las Vegas. So that's why Seattle comes to town for a few days. Uh -huh. It's business as usual. They're in the hotel. They're at the facility. They're practicing back to the hotel. They're still sort of following a little bit of a COVID protocol. So there's not uh -huh. a lot for you to do in the road team. So I kind of think that that's why the Aces are at the advantage. Now, she touched upon a point, Becky Hammond, that is, at the post-game presser saying after game two, Asia and Brianna kind of cancel themselves out. They're the MVP candidates, and it's a matter of they're going to do what they're going to do. It's who is the key after that. I personally think the overall best player, and I say this with the utmost respect for Sue Bird because I think the world of her is Chelsea Gray because Chelsea Gray is outstanding. <laughs> Yeah, she's a dog. Like, she is a dog. Like, when she is out there, I'm like, man, I don't care if you're a female, male, pro, whatever. I don't want to be on the basketball court with Chelsea Gray. She is just physical, dominant on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, she's, she's definitely the it factor for the Aces. And, you know, Asia Wilson and, and Becky Hammond will always say, you know, she's the brains of the team, Chelsea Gray is really the brains of the team. And I remember when, when Chelsea Gray was just out for personal reasons for a game, you know, the whole team was like, we're missing, we're missing our, our, you know, our secret sauce, like our, our, you know, our, our, um, you know, best player out there, Chelsea Gray. Yeah. She's, 
she's just a factor. She's a factor when she's out there. And, um, yeah, she's, she's, she's definitely a player. You know, she didn't get the all-star nod this year, so maybe she has that chip on her shoulder. Um, but postseason Chelsea Gray has been lighting it up, and it's yep. been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing is, and I, I, I tend to nod towards Seattle on this one, is the bench play because you have Brianne January coming off the bench. Um, if Gabby Williams comes back, you know, then that – alleviate that that adds somebody to the bench whoever's stepping up seattle's got a bit of a more tested bench than the aces could mm-hmm. that play a factor down the road have you seen the aces bench improve i've seen the aces bench improve um but yeah that has been that has been a factor sometimes throughout the season is you know they take the starters out you know two minutes three minutes to play and then you're like oh you know this game actually got really close but um, Ileana Ruper, you know, the rookie has stepped up a lot this season. I've seen Kirsten Bell come in and step up, uh, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's like the, they got players on the bench. It just, you know, I want, I kind of want to see more from their bench too, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, you know, I want to see more from Kirsten Bell. I want to see more from Ileana Ruper, um, Teresa Plaisance, you know, I've seen them ball out, but I want to see more from them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that they have a strong starting five. But, um, you know, that's, that's the thing that the Aces have seen all season is can their bench step up? And it's like, well, I, I want to see more of what they can do. Well, you know what I want to see more of? I want to see more of the Reb zone. Tell everybody what you got coming up, Paloma. <laughs> Yeah, so UNLV's on a bye, but, you know, there's still a lot going on. Um, you know, it, it kind of is a nice little moment in the schedule where you're like, okay, we can kind of assess, go over, you know, their first win, their dominating first win against Idaho State. Um, I'm sitting down with Harrison Bailey and Ricky White, UNLV's receiver uh, and quarterback, who went to high school together in Georgia. So now they're back here at UNLV and, you know, ready to tear it up this year. And then I'm sitting down with Keith Hayward, UNLV's new defensive coordinator, and we're going to talk about Cal and uh, the game plan for Cal. And, you know, we got a lot, I got a lot on top on Rev Zone every Sunday. I feel like there's just never enough time on my show to – Go every, you know, 45 points at halftime. I was like, Coach Royal, we don't have enough time to unpack this first half, but let's try and get through, you know, your six touchdowns. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun every Sunday with Coach Royal just breaking down his new team, new roster, new coaches, you know, new staff members. So there's a lot of new around UNLV. So it's definitely exciting this year. Well, make sure you tune in. Paloma, I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have you back on throughout the year talking about UNLV football. Maybe if the Aces are in the final, we'll get you on again. But we're definitely going to have you on either way. I really appreciate you coming on. Let me give you one more send-off. Paloma! (laughs) Thanks, Willie. Have a good day, man. You got it. Gooch and Willie, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We're going to be back to close things out. Now here's the final flag. There you go. Throw the flag. Not quite waving goodbye, but we're about to. Golden Circle Sportsbook. You didn't, let, you, you didn't let my song bleed through a little bit. Well, I was hoping. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I step all over it? Well, it's, you know, it's 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 earth, wind, and fire. It's the beginning of September. I, I tried to get, you know, look at DeMond's got me. Look. Okay. Okay. Let's, DeMond, can you turn it up just a little bit? Just give us a little bounce. All right, look, now Willie and I, our okay. heads are bobbing in synchronization. Yes. There's going to be some girls popping yep. around. We'll Let's give them the beeper we'll numbers. The numbers. We'll get, get the numbers. it. Okay. All right, now I'm ready. So there it is. We started off the show at 9 o'clock, and we mentioned 
the GOAT. Now, one thing I don't like about this generation is that word is thrown around so easily. Ugh. Because the anagram greatest of all time has been, you know, it's relatively new, I would say, probably like maybe the last 10, 15 years or something like that is when we just started hurting, hearing it. But now it's thrown around all the time. Somebody will just be good. Oh, that's the GOAT. That's not the greatest of all time. They're just good. Right. But when we talk about the GOAT, how many times can you actually say that and you and really mean it? I want to say I want to change the spelling of it and keep the same pronunciation. Okay. Goat. G-O. Instead of G-O-A-T, can we change it to G-O-T-E? Greatest of this era. Ah. For the people that throw it around, like in music, Drake, Goat, greatest of all. Great. He's not the greatest rapper. There's not. A, yeah. Okay, because until you, until you put someone up against Rakim, and, or Busta and, Rhymes. And the, well, in the original boys that, that started in the boogie down, you know, when when uh, Cool Herc started hip-hop. But there's a lot from the 80s. And I love when people from my son's era say they hear a song now, they hear a sample, they go, oh, man, they're sampling Tupac. No, they're sampling a yeah. sample that <laughs> Tupac sample. sampled from the 70s yes. of Bootsy or Parliament or, or something or Earth, Wind, and Fire. They're sampling it cubed. Yes. <laughs> they're going way back in the day. Well, there's no sampling Serena Williams. No. There's, there's just not. I mean, last night... If you're not glued, I mean, Serena's the equivalent to Tiger where it's like, I now I admit I watch tennis more than I'll watch golf, but if Serena's playing, it's automatic. If Tiger's, it's like when Tiger's playing golf, like you want him to be on that Sunday so you can spend the whole day watching golf, right? I want to watch Serena, and last night, it started here. She was on here while uh, Cofield and I were doing the Friday uh, edition of Cofield and Company live here at Treasure Island. When I got home, it was still going. That final final set and the number of of deuces that went back and forth about it was just unreal. And the emotion that poured out was fantastic. It is one of those great sports moments because there is something to be said when an athlete fades out. Yeah. But then there's another thing when you see an athlete like that of someone of that caliber. We saw it happen in Kobe's last game. And we're seeing it now yeah. with Serena. Not now, but we saw it yesterday with Serena Williams where it's like, I could still do this. I could very well do this, but I'm choosing to walk away and, on my own accord. And she was very poignant with her words when she was interviewed at center court. I just thank everyone that's here that's been on my side so many years, decades. Oh, my gosh, literally decades. Um, but it all started with my parents. And they deserve everything, so I'm really grateful for them. Oh, oh my God, these are happy tears, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be Serena if it wasn't Venus. So thank you, Venus. She's the only reason that Serena Williams ever existed, so. That was the moment that I was really appreciative, even more so, is she gave credit to Venus Williams. I do love, in a situation like this, where an all-time great is bowing out. And just like, and you brought up Tom, Tom Janovich, how the respect that she had. She yeah. won. Yeah. The microphone should have been in her face. Right. Usually. Right. But this is Serena Williams we're talking and, about. And I think we have time real quick before we sign off. 
I, I just I want to play a clip from from Isla Tymianovich's speech, the class and poise she showed. I'm feeling really sorry just because I love Serena just as much as you guys do. And what she's done for me for the sport of tennis is incredible. And I never thought that I'd have a chance to play her in, in her last match when I remember watching her as a kid in all those finals. So this is a surreal moment for me. How were you able to handle the nerves and the occasion so well? Um, I just thought she would beat me. One. And she apologized. Yeah. So what I'm sorry, Brett, is that the show's over and we I, got till next week. I guess that's what it is. But that's I love it. how she's like, I thought she could beat me. Yeah. Uh. Well, for Gooch, it's Willie Ramirez, Mateo, James, uh, DeMond, DeMond back in the booth. Thank you to Paloma Villacana, Dylan Gonzalez for joining us. Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Get down here. Kitchen's fantastic. Drinks are flowing. College football week one. The kiosks, the betting, the atmosphere, free parking. We'll see you next week. Bang.